Two Humorous Nurses with Kelly and Alicia, the podcast that sleeps in their birthday suit. Welcome to Two Humorous Nurses, where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing. This week, we're talking about pajama paralysis. Hmm. <laughs> what the hell is pajama paralysis? Alicia, give me the info. Well, I actually didn't know what it was no. <laughs> specifically until somebody asked us to do an episode on pajama paralysis. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And in my head, I went, oh, is that when... <laughs> When patients just come into hospital and then go, I don't have to do anything for myself. I actually thought that that's what it was. but It almost is. It kind of is that. Um, so, pajama paralysis is like a – it's like a, a, a term now. It's like an actual yeah, well, it was thing. A, a movement, wasn't it? Yeah. It so, um, it's a loss of strength and function caused just by being in bed for a long time. Um, not getting dressed into day clothes and that sort of thing. So, um. I guess when patients come into hospital, they get in their jammies and then feel like they don't have to do anything. And I mean, if they're really sick, they shouldn't mm. probably do a lot. But um, yeah, I think it's kind of a culture in patients. I, I think it's that feeling of like you come to hospital, so you don't get dressed, you just stay in the hospital gown or in your pajamas yeah, because yeah. you're in hospital and you're sick. Whereas it's like, just I a mean, misconception, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. When I was in hospital with Amelia in like the, like when I was pregnant and having all that time in hospital, I got up every morning, had a shower and got dressed. Yeah. Same because here. I didn't want to spend my day in the bed. Yeah. Yeah. Like I wasn't that sick that I had to spend all day in my bed. So I guess, yeah. and that's what's encouraged mm. in the women's hospital. Yeah. So I guess, um, yeah, without even realizing it, you know, you're sort of doing it. But I guess a yeah. lot of people do just come to hospital and think, well, I'm sick. I'm just going to wear my pyjamas. Yeah, I wonder. And I suppose, like, if I'm sick at home, I mean, I probably do wear my pyjamas for But if you're wearing your pyjamas, would you go to the shop? No. No, you get dressed. Yeah. So if you're in hospital and you're wearing your pyjamas, are you likely to take a wanderer around the ward? Maybe less likely, yeah. Yeah. Although there are those patients that go out in <laughs> yeah. their slippers for cigarettes in their dressing gown. gown. <laughs> yeah, and in, in the their gown. Yeah, yeah, with their bloody IV trolley. <laughs> so I guess it depends on the patient. But um, basically it started, there was a guy, Professor Brian Dolan, who started this social movement of ending pyjama paralysis. He's from the UK and um, he basically come up with the movement of getting people dressed and moving to reduce um, deconditioning. I think it was something like for every day that you're in hospital, like if you're elderly, you can lose um, 10% of muscle tone or something wow. for every day. So I thought that was huge. Yeah. Um, and then Australia's come on board naturally um, with the Safer Care Victoria did the end PJ paralysis. I think this was 2018 that they yeah, um, caught on board. Yeah, I didn't hear you anything about it. it. No, and um, like hospitals near us were actually involved, involved in that yeah. program yeah. or so there project, were, I There say. are a few um, yeah, big hospitals around here that, mm. that were involved in the project. So basically... Safer Care Victoria put out an uh, end PJ paralysis preventing functional decline in hospitalised people. They did a project and the aim was that 95% of hospitalised people would be dressed in everyday clothes by 2pm, mobilised by 2pm and sit out of bed for lunch by July yeah. 2019. So they'd they'd set goals. They what, so What was their tagline? Get up, get dressed, get moving. That's it. Yeah, exactly. They had found that Impatients spend 83% of their time in bed. Wow. 12% of their time sitting and just 5% of their um, time moving. So, like, I think 12% of their time sitting, that is nothing. That's crazy. To spend so much time in bed. And if you think that could be like someone with a hernia repair. Yeah. 
83%. Like, it's no wonder that um, yeah. that surgeons are like, get moving, get moving, get yeah, moving. No, like, like, yeah, I know you just replaced your knee, but get up. Get up, yeah. <laughs> get, get up day zero. That's some of the, some yeah, of the of new course, surgeons. Yeah, have it in the morning, get yeah. up in the afternoon. Yeah, that's and it. we're not saying get up and walk the corridor. We're no. saying get up stand up, get off your ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sit in a chair for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so basically they did a 70-day and PJ paralysis campaign. This was, um, or this was in the UK, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, they did it from April to June in 2018, and they had 710,468 oh, wow. patients involved. That's a really good base. Um, so they were mobilized and 703,161 dressed across the UK, and they had significant reduction wow. in patient falls, pressure ulcers, and length of stay. So they um they gave some sort of highlights of the movement. So they had a thirty seven percent reduction in falls, which I think is so interesting oh, because falls is huge. But wouldn't you think by getting people up and mobilizing them is gonna encourage falls? No, because I think a lot of people fall because they don't mobilize because, exactly. enough. And I think that's yeah. what sort of came out of it. I think getting people up and dressed as a nurse, if yeah. you think about you get your high risk falls patient up and dressed. You and think, put the oh god, oh god, shoes on them. Put the right shoes, but then you think, oh, I do see that there is a little bit of fear there that getting them up and dressed is going to encourage them to walk more, which is going to put them at high risk of falling. Yeah. But it actually shows that by doing that mm. regularly and doing it from the day that they're admitted, thirty seven percent reduction in falls is huge. And I'm so sad that our hospital wasn't involved in this because we could have been reaping those benefits as yeah, well. That's right. And our patients could have been reaping those benefits. 86% reduction in pressure injuries, which That's is just an, is phenomenal. But it's a no-brainer, I think. Like, That's obviously, right. you get move your patient. pressure. Yep, that's it. And get them um, 83% of their time in bed, get the, that number down. And, yep. of course, you're going to reduce pressure injuries. And then this one was my favourite, 80% reduction in patient <laughs> complaints. Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, wow, that's really... Because I they, patients normally complain when yeah. you hassle them. Like, get out of bed. You need but to get moving. Because they have, um, yeah, like it, being up and dressed makes for more and improvement. They probably have yeah. more contact with other patients, have more com- like communications. Maybe, yeah. you, maybe you treat a person that sat in the chair dressed a little bit better than mm. someone that's laying in the bed that's in, a, that's in a their hospital gown. Maybe you don't treat them as poorly not not saying you treat people in a bad way but maybe you don't treat them like they're capable yeah and I guess if you think about it if you come on and you've got a new patient you come on the afternoon shift and they're in bed in their pajamas you just assume that they're not doing anything today yeah and that they don't want any so yeah that they they don't don't want to be engaged in the day I guess I don't know I guess you do make um perceptions about people and I mean it's our job we look yeah, at we right. look at the patient and yeah. go oh well, clearly they're not feeling yeah. as well because if they were feeling better they might yeah. have gotten up but yeah it's definitely um interesting. interesting so they they put in some interventions but basically it was get them up get them dressed get them moving that was the um that was the essence of it and yeah. to encourage their self-care so encouraging them to attend their own like grooming and hygiene yeah. and that sort of thing which I feel like that's a given but sometimes I do feel like patients come into hospital and they're like, lift my legs into bed. <laughs> and you're like, I can't reach my water um, bottle. Oh, mate, I dropped a tissue. Okay. If you were at home, who would get that for you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I know you're sick, but does that mean that you're broken? Like, yeah. And sometimes they are. And but <laughs> don't pop your bloody dentures out and put them in my hand to clean. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
My favorite one is my favorite one is when um you give them their pills in the cup and then they tip them into their hand just to go to put them in their mouth and then they all end up in the bed. (laughs) Like I give it in a cup for a reason. I'll never forget when I was um a student, a nurse told me once. She said, "Don't ever do people's teeth for them, even if they can't get out of bed. Bring them a bowl and a cup of clean water and." Uh, their brush and their stuff and they make them do it themselves which is fine if they got their own teeth mm. she said they can do their own dentures see everyone I, cleans their own dentures but sometimes when they pop them out and they look like they haven't been clean i just yeah, like get, let, nah, me, let, me oh, let me grab the that shit scrubbing out of brush yeah. and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> and i do i'm like that's one more thing i've got to come back and get do you know yeah, what i mean whereas if making I, it yeah, convenient for us doesn't make it i know any better know. for them you're right i know i know but then I assume if they're from a nursing home, they're probably not cleaning their own dentures anyway. I oh, know. Imagine, and I guess nursing homes have that same attitude. Like mm. if we transfer a patient from the hospital to a nursing home and they go from just live, living in their pyjamas in the hospital, all of a sudden they go to a nursing home, they have to get up and get dressed yeah. and put their clothes on to go to the dining room. Yeah. Like that's a really big shock oh, yeah. for someone. Like and you nursing- know patients do de- decondition heavily when they're in hospital and I just yeah. love this movement is so good. Yeah, it's such a interesting way to look at how we treat our patients like just because you're sick doesn't mean you're incapable Mm, of doing things so true i think we have to really strive to try and get whatever they were doing at home try and get them doing almost the same level of that when they're in hospital because they did um they've shown that getting up getting dressed and getting moving there's less risk then of loss of mobility, loss of balance, loss yeah. of strength. And obviously length of stays improved so they yep. get home sooner. So if you put that to your patient and yep. say, look, it's been proven. If you get up, get yep. dressed and get moving every day or every morning, you will get home quicker. Yeah. Like that is a motivator exactly. for most of them. And a lot of patients too, like, you know, they're like, I want to go home. I want to go home. They're like, how can you go home when you can't even take yourself to the toilet? Like yep. how can you – so when once you're in you hospital, them, someone brings you a meal, someone yes. brings you a cup of tea, someone helps you to the toilet, someone helps you do your shower. Yes, we can arrange for home help to help with those things, but they're not there 24-7. Exactly. So you've got to prove that you're capable of doing mm. that. And, you know, a lot of patients, when you tell them you can't go home until you can do this, all of a sudden are up off the bed yes, exactly. and doing it you're for like, themselves. If you want to go home, you've got to prove to, me, prove to everyone yeah, here that, that you're going to be capable yeah. of doing this at home. Yeah. Um, and that I think this pajama paralysis is for any age. Mm, like yeah. I feel like there's just as oh, many young, young people. Young blokes are that, the worst. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they just lay in bed all day. You're like, mate, get like up. It's a great excuse, but get up and walk a corridor. Yeah. Like get up and. Make your and own self a damn cup of tea. That's mate. right. There's always a little kitchenette or like, you know, get up and just. Cru- cruise for babes cruise on the walks. I mean, if you can walk yourself outside for a cigarette. You can walk yourself to the toilet. Damn straight. And if and maybe if you walk a bit further, um, it'll change your Tinder radius. <laughs> and you <laughs> never know. Oh, one of those nurses outside of your range yeah. might be up there. <laughs> oh, God. I don't miss Tinder. <laughs> you I'm were never, never on Tinder. Nah. That's funny. <laughs> Tinder didn't exist when I was I was single. on it for like five minutes. <laughs> um, and I got slut shaped, so I went off it. <laughs> That's a whole other episode. <laughs> Your anyway. hospital gown wasn't open clearly yes. at the back. No, it was because in my photo I was wearing a short dress. That oh, was what it was. Wow. Yeah, I know. Shocking. Short. Um, part of the the this movement, the um, pajama paralysis movement, was something that come out of it called um, 
last 1,000 days mm. and making patients' time count. And now I first saw this video and we'll put the link in our show notes and I want everyone to go and watch this video. <laughs> You've been told. It's a minute 10, takes no time out of your thing, but it will change your perspective. I watched it as part of a palliative care um, education session and the three of us that were in the room were like, oh, wow. Wow. Mm. It Shit. does change the way you think about people's yeah. lives. Yeah. It's incredible. It's an incredible moving video. But it yeah, it was born from this pajama paralysis movement. And it's all about the ideas that your patient time like really matters. So imagine that you only you've only got a thousand days left, which is basically two point seven years. So if you knew you only had a thousand days left to live, like what would you do? Mm. Like go check shit off your Bucket list. Uh, bucket list. You'd make good memories with family. You'd have quality time. Like you'd spend it. But what about if you didn't know you had a thousand days mm. left to live? So majority of our elderly patients who come into hospital only have a thousand or less days to live mm. most of the time. And so time is key in these scenarios, mm. I guess. So it's all about making time in the healthcare system efficient. And we know the healthcare system is fucking clunky. <laughs> Chuck in a pandemic and wait times blow out. I was going to say, the best I think times. that means so much more now because part. So my opa died um, pre COVID. Yeah. And do you know how grateful I was? Like, in because he was in a nursing home, and yeah. all I kept thinking was, there are some of these people living out their last months. Yeah. In a nursing home with, with no, no visitors and no contact. Yeah. No technology, like no able, no way to be connected. Yeah. And this is how they're going to live out their last 1,000 days. Like that's yeah. fucking sad. Yeah. Yeah. And even if, you're, even if you're a young person diagnosed with like some kind of cancer or mm. something that you know is going to, you know, Ultimately that you're only going to have a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, COVID has really made that hard. Yeah. Like we tell, I mean, a lot of the time tell the patients, just see your family, yes. please. Because yes. you know they don't have long. They might not yeah. know that. But yeah. And so it's about, yeah, like efficiency. So if you can increase getting those um, procedures done quicker mm. or test quicker so that you can get the patients out of hospital quicker. Like that's all I do. Is, I know. Is nag people to make things go quicker. <laughs> Oh, I had to call and not try and bump up a patient's MRI the other day. I do it all the time. I just try yeah. my lap. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Must have worked because they got it bumped up quicker. Yeah. But yeah, like I think it was basically about what can you do to get – because their patient's time is super important. Mm. So yeah, if you imagine that everyone that you're dealing with only has a 1,000 days left, like get them home and yeah. get them back to their loved ones and to what they're doing. And that pajama paralysis plays a really big role in mm-hmm. that too because you can't – how do you, what do you do if you leave them at home? Like well, if patients just spend longer right. in bed when they're in hospital and not getting up and getting dressed. Yeah. And we know that like, it's hard to make change in healthcare systems. Mm. Like it's really hard. And that your one action of change is not going to make a huge difference, but it might make the difference to just one person. Yeah, absolutely. So multiple people doing multiple actions of change can And let's be honest, help. if managers are aware yeah. that beds could turn over quicker, by implementing these small changes, yep. they'd be right on board and they'd and be pushing get, it with you. You get more money for patients that are in beds long, lesser time yes. than long term. Yeah. So there's more money in a quick turnover. Exactly. So I feel like it's win, win, win. Like, yep. Yeah. So this. I mean, um, it might be harder for nursing in some ways, but yes. really, they the 
the but our job's hard project. Anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, and the project was like they've got to be up and dressed by two p.m. And I'm telling you, if you haven't got your patient up and changed by two p.m., you're not. Well, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> what have you been doing with your day? Well, <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two p.m. doesn't even allow time for afternoon shift to get anything done. No, but I, I think too, like a lot of the time, I mean, in our hospital. They don't often have showers before breakfast. So you've usually got that time between sort of 9 and 12 before lunch comes to get those hygiene things done and and to get people up and exercised. And if you've got a really good physio department that can help mobilise people or you've got allied health assistants or or nursing assistants or whatever. like When um, I worked on the ortho ward, our physio, so obviously we had a dedicated team of physios, yeah. so multiple of them. Yeah. Um, they would be really good. They'd come around to you and they'd be like, um, tell me when, what time you're planning on showering because yeah. I'm going to mobilise them. I might as well mobilise them to the bathroom. Yeah. And then, it's yeah, kind so of the they same. worked in a really, yeah. like we had like a great teamwork. And mm. so they would do whatever they needed to do with the patient. So I knew what time they were going to that patient so I could load them up with drugs. Yeah. They would do the patient, put them in the bathroom, and then the you could patient, or, I'd have yeah. it all set up. They'd yeah. do whatever they needed to do because most of these people are younger, yeah, yeah. younger people in a private system. Mm. They would do whatever they need to do. I'd just finish them off and help them back yeah, exactly. to bed. And so it works. Well. It was perfect, mm. yeah. But this is the 1,000 days, last 1,000 days came up with this model of change called um, today. Mm-hmm. So it's time, which is the most important currency in healthcare and oh, how yeah. to maximise time, minimise wasted time and prioritise patients' time. Mm. Ownership. So it's about taking responsibility, understanding that you can influence and get support. Yeah, and of course. Like just get your, get your managers on board. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And that your patients are your responsibility. Yeah. Diagnostics in understanding what good looks like and then being able to assess care and activity against that and identify potential problems, so, I guess. Yeah, what good looks like. So what, what yeah, does, what's a good what's patient. A patient look like when they're good? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, actions, identifying some of the things that are already um, prioritising patients' care and how to engage others in meaningful change. Mm. Um, and you, so it's about understanding yourself, the impact you can have and how to influence others to make change. Yeah, for sure. I think dip- – I think – it will depend on the culture of your workplace too. Like I, I fully believe that the ward that I work on, it is a priority for patients to get up and get yeah. dressed to most of the, the nurses. And to be honest, I am probably a bit of a pushover because at uni we were told like patient-centred care means yep. that you support the patient's wants and needs, right? And obviously um, tailor your care to the patient specifically, yep. like individualised care. So I was pretty bad for going, are you getting up and having a shower today? And if the patient went, no, I don't think so. I think I'm just going to lie in. I'd go, well, it's probably better that, you know, I'd give them the option, probably better that you do get up and get dressed. And then if they resist me again, I don't try and convince them or persuade them because I think, well, it's your choice. I'm not going to put pressure on you. Yeah. But actually I think there's got to be other ways to talk to patients to really give and give them the evidence and go, actually, it's been proven that if you get up and get dressed every day that you will get to go home quicker. And is there a reason why you're not getting up? Do you feel sick? Questioning it more. Yeah. Why? Because it is easy to go. It is easy to go. Oh yes. It's one less thing I have to do, but it's also, I think better for the patient. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is easy to, to accept 
a no from a patient because you think that you're supporting what they want but really and there are times where you go I'm sorry but you are having a shower today (laughs) you gotta (laughs) it's much better for your skin it's much whatever their issue is much better for your lungs if you get the steam that's right and I mean you don't need to shower there's been studies around showering elderly people in nursing Mm. homes daily Mm. and how that can be quite detrimental to their skin and things like that But that doesn't mean they can't get up, get dressed and get in a chair. Yeah, exactly. Or even just have a little fanny wash. That's right. Yeah. What do you call it? Bits and tits and bits. Tits and and bits. (laughs) Uh, Tits and pits. Tits. No, pits and bits. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Top and tail. Bird bath. I like that one. I'll just have a bird bath. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, I think that, I think it's something that every nurse has a role in doing. Absolutely. And you know what? If you're, if you if they say no to the morning nurse, come in the afternoon. So we're having a shower apparently. Yeah, that's no. right. <laughs> or we're getting we need up your you better get in your day clothes. Come that on. You don't want to look like that. Afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell us about, you did a, I know you did a project um, probably a couple of years ago now around delirium I and did. stuff. So how could that affect patients in this kind of like get them up, get them out well, there? Part of, part of the Safer Care project was um, – was like minimizing confusion was important as well as like ensuring hydration and and nutrition and all of that. But the minimizing confusion thing, I sort of felt like that had a role to play mm. in delirium because if if a patient gets a diagnosis diagnosis of delirium, there's a super super high chance that they're going to be dead within twelve months, right? Wow. I think so I think it's me, like greater than eighty percent. Give me I think. what delirium is. So delirium's um, an acutely disturbed state of mind. So um, it can be characterized by like restlessness or illusions, like um, hallucinations, yeah. incoherence. Um, and there's lots of and and sometimes you it can be misdiagnosed as well um, as like depression or as dementia. Um, that's a big one that it gets. Um, confused by and the project came about because they'd done a study Safer Care Victoria went through all the patient notes and were looking at the words that nurses and doctors used to describe the patient's behavior and how many of those that were described as like confused or delirious or that were um, like all of these words like um, sleepy and um, hallucinating and all of those words that are used to describe symptoms of delirium um, how many of those actually resulted in a delirium diagnosis? And off the top of my head, it was somewhere between like 3 and 11% when actually the numbers were way higher for patients who they they actually were. Is delirium different to like confusion caused by, say, UTI in an elderly patient or is it? It is different. So okay. delirium, um, so confusion caused by a UTI is reversible and it's acute. Yes. Right? So I think because that one's reversible, whereas this is quite often preventable but not reversible. So right. um, the a patient who gets a delirium with a UTI, that's usually not long-term, but a patient who gets a delirium from just being in a different environment yeah. or um, who just develops a delirium yeah. for no known reason, yeah. um, a lot of the time they just get labelled as like demented yeah. or um, – or that, or they get hallucinations sometimes, or, yeah. um, or he's very, very sleepy, or um, doesn't follow directions, or non-compliant, or those yeah. sorts of things. Um, they develop into a delirium. Like the sim- I think the symptoms of a delirium are quite often 
um, disguised and they can be symptoms of other things as well. So it's sure. not it's not it's a difficult often diagnosed. Yeah. But it, there are a lot of tests that are coming out now that have been approved by Safe Care Victoria that you can do and um, they go – so the 4AT is like attention – and then, so whether they're like agitated, whether they can pay attention and have a um, a proper thought process, um, whether they've got like some recall and then um, are they alert? Like they're, are they hyper, hyper alert or are they like hyperactive or are they hypoactive? You know, yeah. sometimes you get these patients who will just like – be real dopey and sleep Vague for most of the day. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, and that you, they can have a hypoactive delirium. Basically, I think what I'm trying to say is that when I was reading the stuff about the pajama paralysis, minimizing confusion was a really big one, and that's one of the biggest ways that you can treat or um, manage a delirium. Things like reorientating your patient all the time, giving them a big clock that they can read, and yeah. I think things like that just. Um, helping them see the how time's passing with a calendar and that kind of thing. Yeah. Photos of family members, just really keeping them in touch yeah. with what's happening at the time. Um, there's been huge improvements made throughout Victoria through this delirium project. And it was yeah. really, it, it was really interesting. And I, I highly recommend if anyone ever gets the opportunity to do a Safer Care Victoria project, it's amazing. Like they train you. They, your work pays you to do the project and yeah. then you get the results, which is yeah, pretty amazing. cool. Like you get yeah. the full circle. Yeah, I mean, delirium is is super costly to the um, healthcare workforce and a lot yes. of people who get a delirium end up in a nursing home and then die within 12 yeah, months. Yeah, that's really... Really sad. Yeah, that's a um, yeah, that's a big thing, isn't it? I know when you were doing the project, there was a big push to really recognise the signs of delirium versus... Just an acute infection, confusion, or, yep, or, or a cognitive impairment. Cognitive, yeah. Yeah. So now I'm pretty sure in Victoria, um, every health service has to have questions about delirium, like um, cognitive assessments yep. done uh, on admission. Yeah. So that's been included in admission paperwork all yeah. over Victoria if it wasn't there already. So those numbers have greatly increased. Like people yeah. are being screened now for cognitive impairment yep. where they weren't before. Recently in oncology, they've just implemented a geriatric screening tool. So anyone yeah. that's over 70, we have to, the oncologist on initial assessment, do this um, screen for uh, for all areas of geriatric, mm-hmm. which includes um, hydration and nutrition yeah, and, yeah. and ability to do things and cognitive function. Mm-hmm. And if they score over a certain number, they immediately get a referral to a geriatric, on, like oncology geriatric based doctor yeah right um and so that's another like that's we doing these early screenings yeah. to ensure that um everyone's getting because we know the elderly are most at risk of these mm. things because their nutrition and things are so generally quite poor mm. even in nursing homes hydration such a huge yeah. key to things yeah. so but yeah i think and i think if people are sitting out for their meals that eat more than and, yeah and i think you can just I think they can manage their meal better when they're sitting yeah. out of bed and and I think even to have it in like a dining room I know mm. for some of the patients on the ward they have like breakfast club where they all go and eat breakfast in the one area like yeah. I think they're more for like transitional care program yeah, patients yeah. and long-term um waiting admission 
Um, and I like think age care admission placement patients. A lot of elderly people do suffer with anorexia and um and mm. they don't eat enough and a lot of them yeah. are deconditioned or um have lost too much weight or are mal- malnourished. Yeah. So I think eating in a group environment should be normalized for those at risk yeah. patients too because I think if they can see someone else or even just I think I don't know. I guess in a nursing home setting, having your morning teas with other people and your afternoon yeah, and your and meals with other people. Yeah. And I think seeing other people eating. Mm. Like I know that at the children's, their eating disorder patients all eat together. Yeah. Because it's like, well, if you can see one eating, then like yeah. you might be encouraged to eat and, you know. And nutrition is and hydration such an important role in like majority Overall of patients. Yeah. yeah. So especially, you know, aged care. I think, yeah, the pyjama paralysis is super interesting. There's heaps of stuff online if you just Google like PJ paralysis. I know Wangaratta Health have some great um, mm. flyers available yeah. on their website. It's probably, if you tap in PJ paralysis, their page is the first one to pop up because I think they're a big player in the mm. in the um, Safe Care Victoria project. Yeah. Can I tell you some of the results of the project? Please. So um, in Victoria, after the Safer Care Victoria project, I think it was roughly November 2018, they had a 19% increase in the median number of patients getting dressed and mobilising per day. Hmm. So that, I mean, obviously that's a bit of an improvement, yeah. a fair improvement. Yeah. 16% increase in the median number of patients sitting out of bed for lunch per day. So that's good. That's an increase. Decrease in length of stay, falls and pressure injuries in high-performing sites. Amazing. And significant increase in quality improvement, knowledge and capability in participants. Yeah. Which that's kind of boring, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think. Basically, it, get up, get moving. No, get up, get dressed, get moving. That's it. Yeah. That's the gist. Tell your patients too. <sighs> and your managers. Go and on, managers. get on it. Do it. Seriously. Because there's money to be made here. I don't know oh, why every hospital's yeah, not mate. doing it. Just get them in, get them out. That's it. Um, I mean, though, if you're going to go buy yourself some expensive PJs. I remember my grandma used to buy new 90s every time she went to hospital. <laughs> yeah, there are people. Um, there's elderly people who have hospital bags packed all the time. Mate. All the time. Yeah. I'll go home and get your hospital bag. Your yeah. what? Yeah, we have hospital well, have bags you, packed just in case. I always laugh when women come in and they have to send their hubbies home to get stuff oh, and you don't let them go crikey. home. And they like, I had one lady, she was ringing and she's like, no, top drawer. And she's like, he's <laughs> just going to bring me all the shitty knickers. I just know it. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, I think that was really interesting and probably not something that many people have heard of, but pr- maybe do anyway in your life, but. And it harder. It might stop you from having to see people's balls all the time yeah. because they'll actually be dressed. Wash their willies. I, I mean, can if I you're tell into you, it, go I wanna, for it. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> when I did my grad year, yeah. the surgical ward that I was on, at the so it was like a U shape. Yeah. So at the end of the U, like the bendy bit, yeah. there was at the very end, like in the middle of the yeah. bendy bit, was like the staff where we did, that was the tea room, but also the oh, handover yeah. room. Yeah. And then the two rooms adjacent, so yeah. one either side, had doors that opened all the way down the corridor. Oh. So no matter where you, where you were in the you corridor, could you could them. see the patient that was yeah. sitting in that bed. And no joke, you'd always oh. end up with the guy with the biggest balls sitting in that bed, just flashing to the whole ward. And so you'd walk by and you'd be like, oh, somebody go and shut that door. Just put it away. It's like uh, they go to hospital and no longer care. It's like, do you not wear jocks like 24-7 um, when you're at home? I you know, you've seen one penis, you've seen them all, but I don't need to see any. It's fine. 
<laughs> I'd hate to know how many I've seen. Wow. I worked in a, I worked in a urology, urology theatre for four and a half years, so okay. I've seen a I few. I think you've seen more than me. <laughs> and you've been nursing way longer. Uh, anyway, so. I'm going to go buy some Alexander, what are they called? Peter Alexander. Yeah, they're the bomb. Overpriced pyjamas um, now. I bought so Seinfeld I ones and they're the fucking bomb. <laughs> I love them. I did see them. They're so good. I actually have heaps more than I'd like I to I don't admit. wear pyjamas, so I don't have any. What? I don't wear anything to bed. You do sleep in your birthday suit. My birthday suit. Birthday suit. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, good talk. Good chat. Thanks for listening. Give us a follow. Leave a review. Follow us on Instagram. Do all the things. We love it. We love our emails and our uh, inbox getting flooded with shit. We love it. Yeah. Not that it's shit. It's great. But I did want to say one thing that... We have only got one more episode after this one until we stop for a month. Christmas. So, and we got something hopefully really exciting happening for our Christmas special. So, um, stay with us. We love you all. Thank you for being patient with us through our little um, fortnightly thing. I think it's working so well for us. So, we hope that it's enough for you guys. Yeah. (laughs) But tell us. By all means, tell us. Yeah. Um, if you want some merch, we've got merch, bad reels, pens, whatever. Send us a DM, yeah. send us an email. They're all merch. awesome. We use them all the time. Yeah. Except Kelly. Right everyone needs to hassle Kelly about changing her bad joy to her bad reel. Oh, yeah. um, Humorousnurses at gmail.com. Humorous like boring. H-U-M-E-R-U-S. Bye. Bye. This episode has been sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host two humorous nurses. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head over to Podbean at www podbean.com and use the code podcast21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out.